It's summertime, the weather is beautiful. What a perfect time to stay inside and look at our fantasy football rankings and sleepers at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. And check out our pod with Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, and me, Craig Horlbeck, at The Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to the Ringer F1 podcast. Kevin Clark is out of pocket. There's something like American football that he might be covering. Who knows? So I am Juliette Littman. I am your host today, and I am delighted to be here because there has been a torrent of Formula One news and Formula One silly season moves. And we got to break it all down. And to do so, I am joined by my colleague from TheRinger.com, Megan Schuster. Hi, Megan. Hi, Juliet. So excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to dig into this. And we have our British expert. This would mean nothing if we didn't have an Englishman on the line. Spanners from the Missed Apex podcast. Spanners, hello. How are you? Happy to be the token Brit. Thanks for inviting me. Well, you know, we're still, Megan and I are the are from the Drive to Survive generation. So we're doing our best to catch up, but we, it means nothing if we don't have you here. Don't gatekeep yourself. My goodness. <laughs> There's enough people gatekeeping the Drive to Survive people. Yeah, like I've, like I've said to Kevin in the past, within a year, a year and a half, all the Drive to Survive people will legitimately know 99%. All you'll lack is a little bit of historical content, but you know, the internet exists. It's not that complicated. I'm sure even even you Americans can catch up. Sure. Thank you. That's so kind of you. <laughs> but I will say today of all days, the historical context is particularly sure. important. Yeah, and yeah. so here's what's happened in the last week or so. I'm just going to give the top timeline and then we'll go back and dig into it. So first move on the board, Sebastian Vettel announces he's retiring. Um, everyone's sad. He's beloved. Love, love Seb, who will be the conscious. You don't love him? Oh, no. There has been such an amount of, like, we love Sebastian Vettel that I've not wanted to say stuff. Like, even on Missed Apex, I've not <laughs> sort of said how I feel on the inside. And again, yes, historical context, you all know lovable Uncle Seb. He goes around, he picks up <laughs> litter, doesn't he? He makes little insect hotels shaped like Formula One cars. He's a, such a lovely fella, isn't he? That's Sebastian Vettel. That's not the Sebastian Vettel I know. I... I see what he's doing, especially with like a lot of his work with, you know, making sure there's visibility and diversity in F1. That's great. He's a lovely guy now. I'm sure he's a great dad. 
But I also know baddie <laughs> Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian Vettel was the big bad dominating at Red Bull. At Ferrari, he was such a, um, what's the rating of this show? He was such a turnip. He was so aggressive. <laughs> he was like yelling, like, forget you, Charlie Whiting. And he was yelling on the radio. He deliberately drove his car into Lewis Hamilton under a safety car in a fit of rage and then pretended that he didn't do that. And when they said, oh, you've got a penalty for dangerous driving, he said, when did I do dangerous driving? When you deliberately drove your F1 car into another. So, yes, there is this nice sort of recent Seb once the championship pressure was off. But to me, from a sporting point of view, I'll buy him a pint, but he he will always be Seb the baddie to me. <laughs> um, I think that's a really important point, actually, for this as well, because the next move that came was Fernando Alonso um, announcing earlier this week that he's moving to Aston Martin for the next season. And I think Alonso is another, you know, pillar of F1 that if you only started watching it recently, you probably have a very different opinion and understanding of his excellence than... Um, if you have more historical context. And one thing I'm actually really interested in, and I think this is true across all sports, is like, what is the best way to end your career? And I think that is something really relevant to Vettel, who's ending his career in Formula One, to Alonso, and to Ricardo, who he came into this mix when the second there was like the shakeups going around, there's been a lot of speculation about where is Daniel Ricardo going to go next? Is he staying with McLaren? Could he? I think, correct if I'm wrong, but one of the first rumors last week was that he could be going to Aston Martin. That very quickly went away. But didn't that come out like right away, Megan? I think so. And the Daniel Ricardo situation is both very interesting to me and very fraught because I I love Daniel Ricardo. I want only good things for him. I have been pretty sorely disappointed ever since he left Red Bull with uh, you know the Renault news. Um, he had some highlights at McLaren, you know, obviously the race win, but he's just in a, a very disappointing circumstance right now. And I, I truly don't know what's best for him, whether it is leaving McLaren and, you know, kind of finding a new opportunity or if it's sticking things out and, um, you know, they have a car that can be fairly competitive, especially with their recent upgrades. It barely. just doesn't barely. qualifier. <laughs> barely. <laughs> But it just doesn't seem like he is locked into whatever their long-term strategy and plan yes, is. And whether that's on not. him or on McLaren, I, I couldn't say. But um, it just seems like he might need a reset. Yeah, so we're going to come back to him and where he's actually going to land up. But so anyway, the biggest news happened on Tuesday, which was uh, Alpine announced that Oscar Piastri would be replacing Alonso. And shortly thereafter, Piastri said, no, I will not be. And <laughs> things have just gone haywire from there. Then today, obviously, we're going to dig into that a lot. But then today, Williams announced that Alex Albon has signed an extension. No thing said about Nicholas Latifi. Um, and there's a couple of other open spots or potentially open spots that we will also talk about. But I this this uh, Alpine Piastri standoff is so wild to watch. It's absolutely delightful. Spanners, what? Yeah do you think will happen here? Like what, like, what do you think we're headed towards? Firstly, five gold stars to Williams, whose timing of when they decided to say, we have a big announcement coming, when everyone is wondering where Oscar Piastri is going. So the next day, <laughs> they come up with, well, we've got a big announcement as well. <laughs> and you, I went, oh, you trolls. Because you know everyone's going, oh, Will that be will that be Piastri? But it was announcing, right. I think, what what is the completely the correct decision, which is Albon multi-year deal. But did they have to announce that? 
today just after Piastri Gate. No, they didn't. And that was hilarious. And then Albon did a, a mock pun. like So oh. funny. Yeah, he did a mock tweet saying, you know, the opposite of what Piastri had said, that he will definitely stay at Williams. Uh, but if you want to go into the Piastri drama, this is a mess for Alpine. I think that's the first thing to say from a, a team reputation point of view to fail to hang on to Alonso, who is presumably a big money signing. I haven't seen sure. what checks have been signed. And then to announce your reserve driver who then immediately comes on social media and just mugs you off and says, I'm not, I'm, no, I'm not. <laughs> that, that, that point, as hilarious as all of that was, that points to something fundamentally wrong at Alpine. And I think sure. we, can, we can have a little stab and a little guess at what that is. Well, to please tell us, what, what do you think that is? Because it's oh. been a pretty, pretty rough few years for the entire organization, even before they were known as Alpine, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is Renault. Yeah, let's this is not, Renault. Yes. Let's not <laughs> let them off the hook because Renault have been promising so much for, for a long time. Like This was the Endstone team. This was, was Lotus. And then they've come in uh, now as, as Renault. And they've said, I think, to the Renault board, to the bigger group for years, look, we've got a plan. We're going to win a world championship as a works team. And it just hasn't, it hasn't come. It's been disappointing. And fans of Renault and the Endstone outfit will say, oh, it's been getting better. It's been getting better. It hasn't really. And then no. the switch to Alpine was weird. Um, and really, <laughs> we're, they get damned with faint praise a lot. And I think the switch to Alpine has made people think, oh, it's a plucky midfield team. It's Renault. Yeah, of course. It's <laughs> Renault. Um, I think Ren Renault is like a fun team to to make fun of, but it's also it's pretty it's pretty rough. So I think a lot of the attention has been on um, their principal Atmar, who is also you know just like I think also part of that coverage personally, at least here in the states, is he's such a big part of the TV show that I think um, it's easy to talk about the controversies around him. But is he the problem here? Like, why do clearly? Clearly, Alpine has bad relationships with its drivers. <laughs> like, Alonso didn't even tell them they were leaving. He was leaving. They found out because Aston Martin announced it. And so, like, what's going on behind the scenes here? Is the problem, Otmar? Is it, is it Laurent? Uh, what do you think, Spanners? Laurent Rossi, yeah, who's like the CEO. So yeah. he's the guy that we're only just sort of hearing about at the moment. Um, a lot of the, the grown-up press are pointing or mentioning the name Rossi and not a lot of F1 fans will, will know who he is. We kind of, we know Dieter Masashitz, we know, um, uh, you know, um, the Red Bull people, Helmut Marko. Christian Horner? Oh. Yeah, no, no. So so we, they're the team the principals, owners. aren't they? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So from the owners, we know Lawrence Stroll. We don't sure. really know what's going on with, um, with Rossi, who is like the CEO of the Alpine Motorsport Group he's the Renault the motorsport. Right? Yeah, so he's kind of been kind of dropped in by Renault to be the Alpine guy, I guess. Yeah, that, that's a guess. But um, and I'll point to Jalopnik here and Elizabeth Blackstock, who did a a bit of a rundown, saying that actually he's been a little bit of a should we say a gentleman who doesn't like to hear no very much. Mm. And if you look mm -hmm. at the personalities who've gone out of the door, Cyril Abitable, a very fiery, aggressive, opinionated character, and and, uh, and none other than uh, Alain Prost as well has gone out of the door acrimoniously, pointing to uh, differences of personality and a lack of and a lack of respect. Now, Otmar Schaffnauer is very much a, a company man. He's a good front man. We saw with Aston Martin that he, he'll say he'll toe the the party line. You know, he said 
Perez wasn't going to go anywhere. And, and then he later said, you know, that decision wasn't made. And then all of that seemed to, to not be true. So you, you could argue that perhaps Schaffnauer is seen as, you know, someone a little bit more of a company man. So and you're perhaps, saying, yeah. is he the fall guy? Schaffnauer, well, no, I mean, he's a, he's a <laughs> spokesperson, isn't he? He'll be the team boss, but perhaps a beatable and, and Prost were not willing to, to do those things and be those things. So what it points to, though, is a, a picture of perhaps someone not surrounding themselves with the right crew, but the crew that won't cause them day-to-day trouble. And, and here's the thing that really concerns me. How on earth did that Twitter post announcing Piastri get approved? There's right. no way, there's no way... <laughs> And you guys will know more than me with, with, with social media. There's no way that some rogue intern or some rogue admin did that, Megan. Yeah, no, Megan, what's absolutely your best theory not. on this? So it just seems like there are communication problems kind of across the board. <laughs> at Alpine. That's like, like the therapist kind way of saying you guys are fucked up. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking at this as someone who is a fan of the Green Bay Packers and just went through something similar with Aaron Rodgers, who was not well communicated with as sort of the, you know, face of the franchise, the all-star quarterback, you know, now two-time MVP um, consecutively. And it's silly a little bit, but like communication issues can really throw off kind of entire sporting organizations. Like if you look at even just the Fernando Alonso situation, the fact that Alpine didn't hear from him that he was moving to Aston Martin. They heard in a press release. And then you have this communication, whether it's a communication snafu or them just kind of trying to strong arm Oscar Piastri by using social media. I mean, like how broken do you have to be within your internal systems that you think that the way to get this young driver to do what you want him to do is to like threaten him on social media and try to make it seem like you guys have already communicated. It's just such a broken kind of proposition and um, just doesn't seem like a very effective strategy when you're trying to bring in a new young driver and kind of give him the confidence that this is the organization he should be with long-term. Right. And there also will be that they are, they are cohesive and functional enough to also make their cars better. Cause you know, right, right now they're not title contenders. So, I mean, the other thing is it's just such a um the pettiness of all of this is completely <laughs> overwhelming. Like yeah, I you so know good. I love sports pettiness, but I think this completely takes the cake. So spanners, who do you think told them, told the social media person to hit send or hit tweet? Of all a complete guess, but that's got to be right from the top. And I don't think Schaffnauer is an intermediate, which is why I was saying all that stuff yeah. before. I think that'll come straight through. Fire that tweet. He's our guy. And the wording of the tweet, he's been with us for four years. He's suckled at our teat. He he owes us everything and he will be driving for us in 2023. And, and if you think you were going to strong arm the young driver, of course, Piastri's agent is... Mark Webber. Yes. And if you've seen him drive, probably not a wise idea. Yeah, they've just they've done the equivalent of sticking it up the inside and saying, All right, Webber, <laughs> you you move or we'll crash. And Webber's gone, no worries, we'll crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also just want to say the way that it was announced. I'm gonna read the exact tweet. 2023 <laughs> driver lineup confirmed. Espan Ocon. Handshake emoji. Oscar Piastri. After four years as part of the Renault and Alpine family, reserve driver Oscar Piastri is promoted to a race seat alongside Espan Ocon starting from 2023. So I just found the use of the emoji really funny. Um, <laughs> just the fact that they were trying to make it seem like friendly and like 
just sort of, uh, I feel like this is like the language of Formula One Twitter. There's a lot of like use of very pedestrian emojis and kind of like, this is just the usual tone. They're just trying to be like, yeah, no, no big deal. And then Piastri kind of, he went nuclear in my opinion. He escalated it. And I think you would expect the essential teenager or, you know, recent teenager to be the one who would do that. But for the team itself to start it is is pretty no. appalling and just so embarrassing. Piastri's reply had to come from his people. That was a PR reply. That was yes. a, let's be absolutely firm. Let's draw a line in the sand. And the thing is, they must have another plan. And if they end up not having a drive for 2023, then this is the dumbest stuff I've ever seen. <laughs> but they must, they must have something lined up. And, and that's where it gets fascinating because Alonso obviously surprised everyone. So Vettel leaving was sad. Spanners? Alonso moving to Aston Martin? Yeah. Yeah. How's that going to work? <laughs> How on earth is Fernando Alonso at Aston Martin going to work? That is Project Lance Stroll. Okay, I can imagine Vettel going in there. They they figure, oh, he's a bit overrated, is Sebastian Vettel. He's getting to the end of his career. He's just been beaten <laughs> by uh, Charles Leclerc. He's on a downer. It's a shot to nothing. We can. He'll be nice about it. If Lance beats him, that's great. If he doesn't, he's a four-time world champion. Fernando Alonso is a whole different flavour of ice pop. For one thing, Fernando Alonso rinses Sebastian Vettel team, as teammates season after season after season. Sure. Ten, ten seasons, Vettel doesn't get one teammate win against Fernando Alonso. Plus, Fernando Alonso is the most disruptive driver in Formula <laughs> One history. He has been in 27 of the 10 teams on the grid. Like, he <laughs> leaves a trail of fire wherever he goes. He's not going to be a yes man to Project Stroll. I really enjoy how Lewis talks about Alonso and just talks about how, like, I basically, he has positioned him at this point as, like, better than Max, and, like, that's his point almost all the yes. time. Um, but I, I really enjoy it. Uh, uh, Megan, how do you feel about Alonso going to Aston Martin? I feel similarly to you, Spanners. I, th I think it's going to be a straight-up disaster. And and not just on track, but, like, I, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like he has had communications with Lawrence Stroll. I, I would imagine that that would have had to have been a prerequisite to signing with them for a, you know, quote-unquote multi-year deal because this is not the one year that Alpine offered him, which was sort of their yeah sticking point, I guess, in these kind <laughs> of contract negotiations, is, as it always is, is money. But— I'm honestly like very excited to see him go up against Lance Stroll on a week-to-week -week basis because I think you're right in that, you know, Vettel is sort of checked out. He's not trying to fight his teammate necessarily every week, even though they almost did um, a couple of races ago. But Seriously. Fernando Alonso is like a notoriously difficult teammate and he found some somehow some common ground with Esteban Ocon over the past couple of years, but I don't really see that same thing happening with Lance Stroll. So I think he also, his, his behavior the last few days has definitely proved um, who he is, I would say, which is like, oh yeah, a, like a, his, a petty champion. He His Instagram stories with the yeah. thumbs up, like right after Oscar Piastri sent his tweet saying he wasn't going to Alpine. Let's read <laughs> incredible stuff. Let's just all have it. I understand that without my agreement, Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I'm driving for them next year. This is wrong, and I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for Alpine next year. So this is clearly written assuming there's going to be litigation. Someone is suing someone. There's going to be a, a fight. This is very... This is definitely not the language um, of a kid or someone who's grown up on social media. No. So as Spanner said, uh, this is team. written by his yeah. people. What do you think? So, the, what's the first domino we need to fall? We is it is it figuring out 
who um, Piastri is planning to go to, or is it figuring out Alpine's backup plan? Like, which do we need to know more to understand how the rest of the grid shakes out? Seems like the rumor is that he's been in negotiations with McLaren. Right. Right? Yes. Which is interesting in and of itself because McLaren has been a bit of a chaos agent, not only in Formula One recently, but in IndyCar with the Alex Pillow situation, which ended up being remarkably similar to this one where he has been with Chip Ganassi Racing, won the title with them last year, and they announced in July that he had re-signed and he put out basically the same tweet that Oscar Piastri did that, no, I haven't, and I'm actually going to McLaren. So I just really enjoy that McLaren is kind of lighting all of these small fires for these other, well, not small fires, large fires for these yes, other teams seriously. to put out. Seriously. So can um, we just can we just assume he's going there? Spanners, what do you think? Is he just is Piastri going to McLaren? No, I don't think we can assume that. There's I mean, there's other options. Williams is still an option because you can't think that they're gonna keep Latifi. No. Alpha Tauri is an outside option. If because I think Sonoda's not been given a contract yet Correct, for the next season. Mm-hmm. And Perez has a contract, but you know, these things can change as well. So I don't think it's definite. There's also a has seat. Probably up for grabs because I don't sure. think Schumacher, Schumacher yeah. is safe. Um, why doesn't he want to go to Alpine? Maybe that's where we should start with trying to understand what happens. So I think just no one thought that Alonso was leaving. So mm. if Alonso wasn't leaving, then there was no point Piastri hanging out and, and waiting for that McLaren seat. So I think they would have not been wanting to say anything. They'd have wanted to wait for Alpine's option to run out. So apparently Alpine's option on Piastri ran out on Sunday. And that's oh. according to Joe Saywood. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they'd have announced beforehand, then obviously they could have said no and, and taken the option. But Alonso suddenly going, well, I'm going. I, I think that at that point, that makes everyone uncomfortable. Piastri's not obliged to say anything about his future plans. But for Alpine to then go, do you know what? Even though the option is gone, we still feel like we've got an agreement with you. And I think that's what that handshake emoji was. And... and, and <laughs> And that's, that's a really, that's yeah. a real galaxy brain interpretation of the emoji. I love it. I think those, those, both those tweets were really well crafted and specifically crafted to say a specific thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think the Piastri camp would have wanted to say anything at all about the future plans. They've completely had their hand forced. So can we say for, for definite um, whether he's going to any particular team? I think Ricardo would like us to find out. Well, on that note, Ricardo has to let McLaren know by September if he's returning or not. So there's a lot of options at play. One of my questions is, and again, I'm I'm new to the Formula One contract world, who has an option run out on the Sunday before uh, summer break? Like, no this is like, the, can we get some better lawyers involved to think about timing? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that you should... I, don't you want to wait until the season's over or at least in like the like the last quarter of the season or the last five races to to make these decisions? Like I don't understand. Spanners, why do they why oh, do they have these running out uh, at random times? Okay, so there's there's a few examples actually where drivers have been really, really hurt by this. So I'm thinking, um, if you remember McLaren dumped Sergio Perez like really late towards the end of the sure. season. And I think so if you're a driver in your contract, you don't want that option hanging over your head until the end yeah. of the season. You want to be free in the summer to be negotiating. That's why I'd imagine they have it. Uh, yeah, but Alpine's option, the team option running out in the middle yeah, yeah. of the season, so, that's uh, Pia- inexplicable. Yeah. yeah, so Piastri would have been party to that contract and they may have put that as a condition of like, we'll be 
because he was reserve driver last year, wasn't he? As yeah, well? he was. And then yeah. they said, okay, so we'll be your reserve driver for for a year and a half or something. Mind you, look, I'm not a contract expert. I'm pretty sure Megan has a better handle on this than me. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, it does. It, I just think it's like it's not codified. I mean, versus some of the American sports where a lot of this is also really codified by their players' unions. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I think that you know they can be more. Free, like literally free agents and, and more yeah. independent. You've got more options in football though, haven't you? Because there's like 85 people and five special sure. teams in football, yes. whereas yeah, there's only right. 20 seats here. Yeah, sir. we knew that, okay? Thanks. Um, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. I got yelled at on <laughs> no. the ringer. <laughs> I'm just joking. I've been yelled at by, by older <laughs> podcasts than this. Um, so Megan, do you think that Alonzo's timing... Do you think he, is there any way he knew that he'd be screwing over his old team if he waited until this past Monday to announce that he was going to Aston Martin? I mean, yeah, I I think he has to know. I I don't know. Like, like he's such a calculated individual on track that I can't imagine that he's not exactly the same off track. And it seems like they've been in negotiations over this deal for quite a while. And he's been saying all the right things publicly, but the sticking point has been kind of having a deal that goes beyond one season. It doesn't seem that Alpine was willing to give that to him. And so as soon as he found another team to do it, he did it. And it's, it's amazing to me. It's, it's also really interesting to me too, given Otmar's history with Aston Martin Mm. in that there is sort of like a contention there in that, you know, he worked for this company back when it was Aston Martin, also Force India Racing Point. He worked there for like 12 years and then kind of had a falling out after Lawrence Stroll came in and, you know, kind of they were wrestling a bit for control and he sort of left um, them in not a bit of a lurch, but like he had kind of an agreement with Alpine for a while before he actually announced that he was leaving and kind of left them in an interesting position. So I'm not saying that that's all relevant in this case. Like, I don't think Fernando Alonso. But it's not irrelevant. But it's not irrelevant. So (laughs) it's it's just a really, really interesting um, battle and just like so many layers to this situation that I find really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, Alonso takes the crown for for pettiness in this entire situation. Every step of the way, he has just sort of done what is the worst for the team and the the best for him. And there's, there's no way around that. So I'm sort of curious, like, I think with, like I said earlier, with Vettel, Alonzo, and Ricardo, there's a big question of legacy here. And I think the person with the most, like, online for next season and moving forward is Ricardo. And Spanners, I'm curious, like, what do you think is the best outcome for Ricardo over the next few seasons? Like, what would be the best team for him to go to next? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, obviously, he won a Grand Prix last year, and that was amazing. But, like, will that happen again? Like, can that happen again? <laughs> Was it amazing, the win at Monza? <laughs> I, I feel like I'm the Debbie Downer here. But it's great. Got, got to have the counterpoint. I love it. He, he got, I can't quite remember how he got the track position, but I know Nor- Norris was a lot quicker that race and, and he was ordered not to fight, not to overtake yeah. Megan. I didn't want to be too <laughs> negative when you said that earlier. It was a great, good victory, but... I know. I, I'm just trying to let him have one nice thing. You know, his whole McLaren tenure has been so sad. It's just... It's been, but it's, it's it, I don't know. The last few years have been sad. I think this is better yeah. than Renault, kind of. I, I don't know. Renault just was more awkward. But I would say the McLaren years are better. But since he left Red Bull, it's mm. really not been great for Daniel. So, like, what is the best way for him to end his career? Because okay. I feel like he has such, like, an exuberance to him, and we're missing out on that. So for both him and viewers. Can I be mean again? I've got the feeling <laughs> Megan is a Ricardo fan and she that is. we're going to fall out over it. 
I well, can take I, it. I can take it. <laughs> didn't Daniel Ricciardo's career end when he took the 40 million to leave a <sighs> what became a championship winning team to jump ship to Renault and then moving to McLaren, you're just sort of cementing that kind of journeyman status. I know he's got a lot of fans. I know he's a brilliant guy. He's such a good ambassador for the sport, yeah. uh, wholesome, Very fun, charming. great guy. But look, you know, he he beat Vettel, who I who I will maintain. We can have another a fight about this another time. Vettel to me has, has always been overrated in the echelon of F1 greats. And and Ricardo picked up a season win uh, there. Vettel came off the back of a car with infinite downforce into a regulation set where that Red Bull couldn't turn. And he had come from a Toro Rosso and felt like that Red Bull was a dream. So he picked that up. Remember that Vettel basically signed out. And, and took that Ferrari contract halfway through that season. Comes mm-hmm. up against Verstappen. And whilst the stats don't, there was lots of unreliability, Verstappen was still just win or bin at every other race. Verstappen was by far the, the better driver out of those two. He knew it. That's why he went to Renault. Moving to McLaren, he's come up against potentially, uh, the simplest explanation for why he's not doing well at McLaren is that Norris is brilliant and better than Daniel Ricciardo. Sure, right. Which is something you might not, have necessarily assumed, but look at the evidence, you know. Yeah, so, of course, wh- yeah. So where's he going to go? Well, he's going to go back to Renault and uh, and, and just pip well, Ocon again. What's he going to do? Can I ask you a question? Do you think that um, Max wins the championship last year if his if Daniel had stayed at Red Bull? Like, I think that <laughs> Checo was such a perfect second yeah. car for him and just such, like, an amazing teammate. I just don't... I just think that, like, that championship is such a such a tribute to Checo that I actually just don't think that Daniel is um, a particularly good teammate. So Ricardo wouldn't have done it. No, and, he would and never have been okay with it. And that's why he left. Yeah, so. right. That's what's also made, you know, his McLaren decision so interesting is that basically the reason that he left Red Bull was to not get bypassed by this young driver and to not be on a team that was built around not him. And then he goes to McLaren, who's doing the exact same thing with Lando. And it just, that decision, like in hindsight now makes no sense to me. And um, it's just so interesting. Can I throw out to you guys where I would like to see him finish? Yes. I feel like I have the same, I feel like I'm going to agree with you, but go for it. I would love to see Daniel Ricciardo in a Haas. Mm, Okay. For, For a few reasons. One, I think the stakes are just much lower I think his personality will help that team grow. I could see him working decently well alongside Kevin Magnuson. Also, he has said many times that he is basically an American at heart by this yeah. point. He lives there for much of the year. And to like drive for an American team, I think, just feels very natural to me. An American team. I'm using air quotes. Sure. I once did a drive-by of his house in L.A. Have I told either did of you, you? guys? I certainly haven't told Spanners, but I definitely... Is it beautiful? Wow. I'll um, be informing the authorities because this sounds <laughs> a little stalkery. There was a, it was stalkery. There was a Lamborghini out front. Um, wow. It was nice. It wasn't like... didn't blow me away. It certainly isn't as beautiful as his estate in Australia with like all the grounds. But it was, it's like, you know, up in the hills. So whatever. That's fair. Um, Spanners, where should Ricardo Hi. finish out his career? I was going to say, which drivers have you stalked? Well, living in... <laughs> Living near Milton Keynes, it's a lot easier, actually, to stalk the the drivers yeah. at their personal addresses. Where should he finish his career? Um, to be honest, I don't see the move that's going to put him in a championship team. I think he was always touting himself as a future world champion. What does he want to achieve in F1? I think it's too late to go to a team, get a great reputation, and then have, say, Ferrari or Mercedes come in for him. I think it is effectively 
done as far as the championship uh, push goes. So it's, does he just want to enjoy his his Formula One? Well, Haas seems like a place you can in, enjoy your racing. Is that is that if, if we're just being nice and going, where would be a lovely place for Daniel Ricciardo to go and hang out for a couple of years for loads of money and be a handsome racing driver? Yeah, sure, Haas, but yeah. Uh, I agree with you, Megan. I think Haas, someplace, someplace low stakes where he's obviously not going to win is what's best, in my opinion. But one that has good vibes. Like, yeah. Aston Martin doesn't have good vibes. But no. Haas seems like, you know, kind of a fun place to hang out. They'll take take pictures with boats for you and put them on sure. social media. And sure, why not? So let's talk about some of the other open seats on that topic. Is Schumacher back with Haas next year alongside Kevin Magnussen? Banners, yes or no? So, no, no, I don't think so. I think there's a lot of goodwill um, to Michael Sh- to Mick Schumacher, obviously, because yeah. Michael Schumacher, hugely popular driver, seven-time world champion, obviously a lot of sympathy naturally for his situation as well, and wanting to see Mick Schumacher, who has come across as just one of the nicest fellows in motorsport, very grounded, but also he looked great against Mazepin. I think Magnussen coming straight in and just looking instantly better. He has had a couple of good results recently. Like he nicks a point. He, yeah. he kind of does okay against Magnussen and people start talking about, oh, he's, he's bringing it together now. He's dragging it back. And I think it's a, a real tough yeah. moment for Mick Schumacher. It's like to be excited about getting a point yeah. when your yeah. father is Michael Schumacher. I just, it's like, it's a real act like you've been here before moment, you know? But compared I, to his own teammate <laughs> as well, I just right, think the, yeah. the, the bar is so low. For whatever reason, the bar is low for pay drivers, and I will include, like, buy-in drivers, and I'll include Mick mm-hmm. Schumacher in that, uh, that when they do kind of okay, we, we give them praise. Latifi topped FP2 the other week, and people are like, <laughs> no, so excited. See, see, and didn't he do, like, well in one qualifying session? The bar's so low, you know, uh, Stroll nicks a podium once in six years, and I'd, for whatever reason, people give these, like, these kids they get a free pass into F1, they give them so much more slack and so much of a lower bar. I don't know why. Because it's just like the the tradition. I mean, this is like an existential <laughs> conversation that we don't need to get into, but I think it explains a lot about the sport that people are so excited for Mick Schumacher to get a point. Whereas, you know, the it's like there's so much hate towards plenty of other drivers or whatever, so... Put any other young driver in exactly the same position that Schumacher has been in, like Ocon, you know, some some kid, some kid who's come off a farm to be in Formula One and, and put them in the same position. And you would just go, yeah, of course. And like, well done, good effort, you know, but you've, you've been crashing week in, week out. You're not getting many points. You looked a bit good against that, that other billionaire, but no, against a, a proper F1 driver, I think it's kind of obvious you're not up to scratch. And that wouldn't be a bad thing. You had your shot at the top of motorsport and you're not good enough. This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Who's taking a mixed spot? Megan, any ideas? Oh, that's a good question. There are so many candidates out there. Yeah, um, I, mean, I think also... Like, there's just a lot of other player move, a lot of other driver movement too. Like, um, is like who's gonna be back at Alfa Romeo with Botas? Like, probably not Joe Guan Yu again. Although he's been pretty good, right? Yeah, he's been okay. What made you say that not, not Joe? I don't know. Actually, I, when, as soon as I said that, I was like, I actually, don't even know if that's true. I was just like thinking about driver movement, but I don't know. I, he has had a, he's had a pretty good season. I think with money, he's done enough yeah. to, to make him a viable, to make him a smart choice for Salvo, Alfa Romeo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Alfa Tari, as we said earlier, Sunoda's not resigned yet. So with Sonoda, they say they've not decided his contract yet. It seems like Helmut Marco has a bit of a bee in his bonnet over him. And I think this is, it's an issue that bugs me. He's a, a small sort of East Asian man, Japanese mm-hmm. guy. All the language that is used against him is infantilizing. And yeah. I find it really sinister. I find it disturbing. It's it's hard to say that is specifically racist, but it really feels like that. It really sticks in my throat. And it kind of feels like that's what he's up against uh, at in that organization. Yeah. Uh, with with comments like that, a problem child. Every photo of him is like mocking him for being small, comparing him to a school child. And I just don't think the treatment that Sonoda gets in general is fair. I, I totally agree with that. I think he's he's not only infantilized, but I think they also make him seem like um, he's just sort of like incorrigible and there's like nothing yeah. you can do about him. Yeah. Like he's like a You're lost cheeky. cause. You're yeah. cheeky. Even yeah. like... Like his entire drive to survive narrative last season was like his apartment is messy. He doesn't want to work out. He doesn't want to wake up early in the morning. He's not willing to put in the effort. Like we had to move him to Italy in order to get him to perform or like train or do, you know, up to the level that we expect him to be at. Um, it's it's all like a very, very strange kind of yeah. concoction and yeah. just seems relatively toxic all the way so, around. Yeah. Toxic. It's- yeah. Yeah. And if it's not if it's not um if it's not racist, it is definitely biased. And that yes. without a doubt. I, I I just think, yeah, it's very hard to make a direct accusation of racism. I just think as an F1 community, can we just be a little bit aware of that and that it happens to gentlemen like Yuki Sonoda an awful lot? Well, yes. what about at the beginning of the season where there's like all this conversation about like what to call Zhou Guan Yu? And it's just like, you know, 
just because the structure of of Chinese names are different. It's like just right. really not hard to grasp. And just basically, I mean, but it also gets back to the Schumacher point. Like Schumacher is, there's seems much more likely he'll find his way to a seat again next year than maybe Sonoda just because of legacy and literally because of nepotism. So it does, it does say a lot about the sport. Um, but on the other hand, I do think that some of the young drivers have made made a big difference. And honestly, Spanners, I think that's one of the reasons why people want to embrace Vettel is because he has become like this figurehead for for change. And <laughs> yeah. even if even if you know it's somewhat hollow, it's at least better than um, some of his colleagues who you know just totally reject a lot of the like the discourse that he has embraced. I'll climb off my soapbox now. Sorry. <laughs> No, well, I, I, I just think it's worth pointing out, you know. Like, yeah, that's all I wanted to do. Yeah, <laughs> Megan, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, too, I think um, he's had a little bit of, like, image rehab, too, from the younger drivers who it seems like he has, if not taken them under his wing, like, with his work with the Drivers Association, I think they look up to him as, like, a, oh, you know, he's fighting for our safety and he's, you know, kind of sticking it to F1 where he can and things like that. So maybe that's helped his his image rehabilitation a little bit too. I think that's a good point. Um, All right. We have to hit two more things. So first, I just want some bold predictions. Who is any other big moves we should keep an eye out for? Like, it seems like Latifi's out. Who's taking his Williams spot? Who's taking the AlphaTauri spot? I mean, any any big ideas? It would be super fun to see um, Logan Sargent Mm. in the Williams. I don't... um, I don't know if that's going to be a thing. They just, uh, I forget if it was this week or last week, announced that he's going to get a free practice drive for them in Austin, which doesn't make me think that he's like in line for a seat if that's sort of their big announcement related to him recently. (laughs) But um, it would be fun. I think it would be exciting for, you know, us American fans, but we'll see. Spanners? Any I think I don't have any big predictions. I'll just okay. say the one thing to look at would be which teams need a pay driver and which teams can look for for talent. That's important. I think with that hard seat, they were never they're not going to pay Daniel Ricardo money. I think that is no. someone who's going to come in with some funding. So Williams possibly, but I'm hoping that personally as a long-time Williams fan, I'm hoping they're moving away from having pay drivers. Seeing them with Stroll and Sorokin just ate me up inside. It just mm-hmm. it didn't feel serious. And then, um, yeah, obviously Alpha Romeo. This is why Joe would be a good option because if you get a, if you if you need funding and you get a kid in there, you know, uh, you know who can pay his way, yeah, and also provide pace. Um, and Joe def- definitely seems like a gentleman who fits that that. Bill. I like him. Yeah. So which of the, which of the too. kids coming in from the junior series also bring a bit of money? I don't know. Right, right, right. Um, let's talk about if anyone can catch Max. Uh, Megan, you talked a little bit about this on the Sunday recap after the Hungarian Grand Prix. He's pretty far ahead, historically so. The the more I think about it, the more I come to the conclusion that it's over. I, and and I don't like to say that as someone who thoroughly enjoyed last season and how close it was to the to the bitter bitter end. But he has an eighty point lead over Charles, even if he DNF'd for like three straight races and Charles won, he would still have a lead. And I don't, for as much as Max has been boom or bust over the first part of the season, it seems like he has realized the position that he's in and the fact that Ferrari is just going to occasionally keep shooting itself in the foot. And if he doesn't put 
a foot wrong, then the championship is his. So I I don't know. I, I just don't see him being as um, elbows out, as they say, uh, mm-hmm. across the rest of the season. And I, sure. I know he's very competitive and likes to win, but um, I just don't think he'll take too many chances. Next question, Spanners. Do you want, do you want, do you want some maths? Who's coming yes. in second? I want to know who's coming in second. No, I, no, I disagree with uh, Megan's premise. Ooh, oh. okay. Hit us. So we've got Let's some hear maths. It, please. So okay. what, what Megan is willfully ignoring um, <laughs> is that Red Bull have definitely been up to shenanigans with their their flexi floor using uh, mounts to allow the plank to to go up into the body and therefore not wear as much. And the FIA are, are much more attuned now to inspect that area of the plank instead of the the front area of the plank. So Verstappen's not going to finish higher than than third, obviously. Um, Mercedes wow. have got a complete handle. Okay, come on, let me let me put myself in a good <laughs> math situation here. If that's true, and Verstappen finishes third. And finishes, let's say he can finish um, third in all the sprint races as well. There's two left, two sprint races left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that will put him on, a f- I, I'm thinking, 416 points, right? Okay. If George Russell wins every single Grand Prix with his wingman, Lewis, <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, coming in second place every single time, uh, mm-hmm. they will tie on points and it will be down to race wins and George Russell will be world champion. Wow. Is this what you're hoping for or is this just what you (laughs) foresee in the future? This seems a little biased, I gotta say. I started a spreadsheet a few races back. I've maintained it. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) Uh, But look, the the point is, yes, 100 points, say, from Hamilton to Verstappen. I I don't think, I'm not even seeing Ferrari as serious championship contenders anymore. I don't Um, either. We're going to see a reset. Uh, um, I'm sure you, you and I have spent enough time talking about Ferrari, but... If we get to this, the summer break and something has changed, there is a chance that at Spa, this technical directive changes something. Mm-hmm. If we see a flipping of the dice where suddenly, you know, Mercedes are ahead, then we can see results going against Red Bull. They've got uh, high engine usage already. They've got gearbox penalties probably to be taken, probably due a little bit of bad luck. We can say it's over. It's a massive gap, but it's, it's still a long season to go. There's nine races. So, yeah, like I said, it, you know, a couple of DNFs for Verstappen whilst the Mercedes are, uh, are up front would look very different in a few races' time. Okay. I like it. I, <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> um, final question from where we began. Where is Oscar Piastri driving next season? Spanners? I have no information. On that, so it's a guess. It's a pure guess. Williams, I think Megan's right. Sergeant McLaren's the only decent option. I suspect from what Zach Brown said, he said, "Yes, we like Ricardo. We want to keep him here, but it's up to him to show us he's got at least the pace of Lando Norris." And I feel like that was there out because mm-hmm. you can easily point to the fact that he hasn't got the pace of Lando Norris. They could have easily got towards the end of the season and went, "Well, we gave it every chance, but now." You know, we're going to go for this this kid's piastri because there's no space because Alpine uh, uh, Alonso's not leaving Alpine. But given that Alonso went and then Alpine announced piastri, suddenly McLaren find themselves in the awkward position of, uh oh, uh, maybe the game's up. So McLaren is my guess. Okay, Megan, what does history tell us? Oh well, history's a little rife. Um, I did sort of a deep dive today on the Jensen Button situation from the 
five issue yeah. when he was uh, trying to leave BAR for Williams. And it, it turned into kind of a similar contract dispute where he had an option with BAR. Um, you know, they claimed that they sent him the relevant information that they wanted to re-sign him, blah, blah, blah. Then a few days after his deadline, Williams announces that he is going to move there to do, for 2005. Um, Jensen kind of thought he could get out of the deal with a few technicalities. It ultimately went to F1's contract recognition board, which kind of sorts out these these. Uh, messy scenarios, and they ended up ruling in BAR's favor, and so he did end up driving for them the following season. Um, I don't know the contract details of um, the Alpine situation with Oscar Piastri. They both seem very firm in their commitments that they're in the right, so I, I have no idea what you know small details they are thinking that um, are in their favor, but even if um, Alpine were to win this fight legally, like it just seems like it would be such a terrible situation to have him racing for you on a team that he doesn't want to be on with this sort of contentious relationship already happening. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, mm. it's very, very strange. It's kind of like Kyrie Irving going back to the Nets. Banners, <laughs> yeah. what do you think? Do you remember who BAR turned into? No. BAR turned into Honda. Mm. Honda turned into Braun in 2009 and delivered Jensen Button that world championship. So for, for Button, that worked out rather nicely. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> Very true. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Spanners. Um, thank you so much, Megan. Thank you so much, Bobby Wagner, for producing this episode. We hope Kevin's having a great time wherever he may be. We will keep following this. There's so much news. It's just overwhelming. This has been the Ringer F1 Podcast. We will be back very soon. Have a great summer break if you're taking a summer break. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th, and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.